Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, then all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. And welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for August 30th, 2020. Koyo Kobose here, so very glad you joined us. Well, I, I need help, technical help here. Uh, I can't get the Blog Talk radio, which is our server, onto my computer screen. Uh, Something says uh, I took too long to do, to respond or something, and I can't get the studio screen. I don't know if anybody could hear me right now, um, but I'm going to. I just asked my person, my wife Adrian, who usually listens in another room to the show. To, to help me. So she came out and she's at my computer and trying to log into the, the server that we use, which is a blog talk radio service for Live Dimer Sunday. Okay. Now I am assuming, well, I have to get to that studio because that's the only way where I could uh, uh, activate our guest to give us, who's going to give us a Dharma glimpse. He submitted his Dharma glimpse uh on an mp3 and then uh so it's pre-recorded and then loaded up in the studio uh screen for blog talk radio and then i just click on it and then it plays it so that that is yet to come so i just want to tell you some thoughts that i have this morning which (laughs) should be i should switch to the dharma has technical problems too but I want to tell you about uh, a teaching that I've been thinking about recently without going into how I came to this uh, uh, thinking about these teachings. But it's... um, If you don't get back on. Here's this, Adrian, if you need it. Um, What You want to tell me something right now? can't get back in to 
or the Dharma Glimpse. I, I've got it here and you can play it. Oh, okay. See, I got an expert tech person. I'm Ill- computer-wise illiterate, but, you know, I could do email. Okay. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the Live Number Sunday for August 30th, 2020. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us. I want to talk about and versus or. This is a teaching. Uh, it could be called and and versus either or. All right. Now, either or means black or white, right or wrong. It's either one or the other. That's really a dualistic uh, thinking. Two separate things on the opposite, that mean the opposite things, and then never the twain shall meet. Okay. Uh, It has a certain kind of logic to it. You either succeeded or you failed. You won or you lost. But Buddhism doesn't use that kind of approach. Its approach is and. And, and. Okay, not either or. And there's a nice story. It's actually a Sufi teaching story that makes this and, and uh, shows wisdom, a certain kind of wisdom. Okay, and Nasruddin was uh, considered a a wise man in the Sufi tradition. And um, uh, since he had a reputation as being wise, he was uh, called into court to serve as a, to help out in determining court cases. So two men came up and they said they owned a pig. Man A said, and here's why the pig is mine. Give all the reasons. And, you know, the judge tells Nasruddin, well, what do you think? And uh, Nasruddin listens to A, Mr. A, and, yeah, yeah, you're right. You you own a pig. And then the judge said, no, 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 wait a minute, Nasruddin. You got to hear the other side, too. Okay, Mr. B, uh, could you make your case why you own the pig? So... He tells his story, Nasruddin listens, and he says to Mr. B, yeah, you're right. And then the judge says, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Nasruddin. Uh, both of them can't be right, okay? You have to see in a court of law, we've got to decide, and someone, you know, we can't really slice the pig in half, uh, you know, and so forth and so on. And so Nasruddin listens to the judge, and he says, you're right. Uh, <laughs> I love that story. Uh, it takes a lot of processing and of the ramifications and amplifications of it, but uh, I think it uh, symbolizes uh, uh, the wisdom. Uh, Adrian, I can't see where, how. Okay. I'm asking her now to, she had a different way to access Andy Geo, who's going to give us a Dharma glimpse. And he was, hey, part of our LM1 group. The first to go through our program that he started in 2006, went through the two-year program. 
He lives near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My wife and I like to walk around a bird sanctuary in a smallish town north of us. Not many people around there most times. An important point in this pandemic age. Lately, as we move further into the mire of the thing, I've been noticing as we remark on the weather of the day, more replies of, thank almighty God, or Jesus, or the Lord. Not surprising, it is a very conservative town as are most rural areas around us over here on the west side of the third coast. And though almost all of those respondents are elderly, many are not. Also, I said that I noticed the uptick in praises. No annoyance, no irritation, or to be a little blunt, no agreement on our part. And we respond with a smiling silence. Seems the best thing to do. I should put in here that my wife and I are Unitarian Universalists. My wife was a Job's daughter at a prominent Masonic temple. Butch, her father, said, given his business ties and the times, he joined the temple under the Scottish rites because, as he said, you didn't have to profess a belief in God, uh, per se. My wife also works at a Jewish community center as a preschool teacher over 30 years now. I was raised Roman Catholic, but left it when I was 12. That's a long, non-traumatic story. And recently, I found I probably have Jewish ancestry. And yes, I'm a Buddhist minister. So, we have our bases covered on the matter. But why just a silent smile and response? Shouldn't our upbringing, inquiries, all those philosophy classes I've audited at university these past years on a subject, shouldn't that give us something more to our response than just the smiled silence? Buddha was said to have remained silent when asked if there was a god by the wandering ascetic Bakagata. He actually did give an answer, albeit after the ascetic left, and only after his cousin and disciple Ananda gave him one of his many, what the heck looks? What did Buddha say to Ananda? Well, it's complicated, and by and large, it wasn't a yes or no answer. Our response, of course, doesn't rank with Buddha's, not by a long shot, still. Though some of the interactions could be taken as a confrontation on the order of, have you found Jesus? I mean, sometimes they even put their face into yours a little. Well, we just. Let it be a mixed blessing that it is. They're happy, albeit sometimes a bit smug. But why disturb all that? The sun shines down and clouds form their imaginary shapes in the sky. It's a good day. The weather has no opinion one way or another on it, and if it's cold, I wear a jacket. If it's hot, short sleeves are fine. So 
smile whenever you have an opportunity. Life's too serious to be taken seriously. Keep going and be well. Thank you. Oh, boy. Thank you very much. Yeah, I remember that saying. Uh, I think it's from uh, Oscar Wilde, and it's a good one. It says, life is too too important to be taken seriously. <laughs> so yeah, that'll, that'll make you chuckle. And, well, as I listen to the... And the Dharma glimpse. Uh, I had several thoughts that it it uh, rekindled uh, uh, some teachings, and that's what's the beautiful about it. As you journey on a spiritual path and and mature, uh, you've got a lot of teachings, a lot of experiences, you know, in your karmic background, and and you see, and something else happens in the present moment, and it remind, and it brings up these other teachings and you get to uh you know receive a teaching all the time you see it all around you okay it's not just that the teaching the dharma is all around you oneself but one's uh receiver i guess you could call it becomes real sensitive you know like in that movie contact with jody foster where they had these big Speakers out in the desert, receivers, I guess, not speakers, receivers. And they're trying to pick up radio waves that come in from outer space and uh, you know, looking for life, alien life. And they got the big speakers, real sensitive to receive any kind of systematic uh, message okay, in the radio waves. So in a way, uh, spiritual growth means you we become better and better receivers okay? not so much looking outside of ourselves for well where's the good where's the great teaching or or i gotta read it in this book or i gotta go hear this guy that's true that's okay but what's really happening the process is is that you're becoming a better receiver so that no matter where you are what's going on boom okay you see it through your dharma glasses bam there it is and you you know Life become very rich that way. Now, it could be a challenge in terms of interfaith topic. He says, well, how, do you, how does one, you know, America is an interesting experiment of diversity, okay, religiously. Okay, we got freedom of religion, and of course, <laughs> the atheists remind us we, there should be freedom from religion. Okay, And I think it, the point has been made that Buddhism is in a great example of freedom within a religion because a lot of times religions are so dogmatic and rigid well you can believe in this or you can become the member here this is what you have to believe in and so forth okay this you know the theism is important whereas buddhism says well humanism is very important people okay are more important than an abstract concept because a lot of damage could be done in the name of some abstract concept. So how does one live one's faith in a multi-religious society? Hmm? Um, and I think when the story that I was reminded of when listening to the Dharma Glimpse says, 
when the Buddha was asked, you know, there are a lot of teachers offering a lot of kinds of systems of belief in, you know, religiously in India and Nepal at the time. And, and uh, they had to be categorized in a way. Somebody wanted to know who's who. Okay? And in fact, they wanted to know what group they be, a person belonged to uh, so that they didn't make a mistake and be embarrassed and say, oh, I thought you were a follower of this or I thought you were such and such. Huh? So that's why they started to wear certain robes so that you could tell from a distance, oh, that person's in that kind of garb. Uh, you know, he's a follower of the Dharma. Okay. Now, the old, I'm getting off a topic a little bit, but uh, it's my associations. Uh, the symbol for Buddhism was a uh, Buddha's footprint. It was, it was, you know, artistically shown, but it was a footprint. Meaning, you know, following his path, and he would be appalled, I think, if he says if, <laughs> what he thought was called Buddhism, okay? because he says that the it's a Dharma. Let the Dharma, you know, when he was on his deathbed, he said people were of course sad. Hey, let the Dharma be your teacher. He always stressed that. Okay? Um, but when he was asked, you know, hey. Uh, are you a god? Are you a deity? He says, no, no, no. Then the questioner says, well, what are you? He said simply, I'm awakened. Uh, so enlightenment means to wake up. Otherwise, uh, we go through life asleep. When you're asleep, your eyes are closed, you stumble into things, you trip over things, and, uh, uh, you know, it's very difficult. But if there's light, enlightenment, if there's light, that means you can see. That means you wake up, okay? And uh, uh, there's another story that uh, I, I heard at a, at a retreat once, and I, and I thought it was a really nice story. He was just a Caucasian man, and he was a young man, and he was a Buddhist monk, and he did a lot of work on college campuses, you know, where uh, Christian groups come in, and they say, hey, I'll tell you what I want to tell you, and they go and talk to campus groups and organizations. So he was doing the same thing as a Buddhist monk, and uh, he was talking to a young group of students and talking about it, and then uh, one of the students came up to him and said, uh, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. Now, he thought about this, and he said to himself, hey, you know what? As a Buddhist monk, that's a good place to be because hell is a place where there's a lot of suffering people. Uh, <laughs> I remember a Buddhist Dharma teacher once said, well, they talk about if you lead a good life, you're going to go to heaven you know, and be with God, okay? That's the whole setup there, okay? Probably influenced uh, not just from Jesus' teaching, but St. Paul's and, you know, how I developed. Uh, but this Buddhist teacher said, well, uh, if you're a good Christian and you go to heaven, uh, why don't you get take God, you receive God's love, 
take it and go down go down to hell where suffering people need to learn about God's love. Hey, isn't this a interesting twist a little bit? And uh, I think we do have to be creative when you are a religious minority. Huh? You know, yeah, there's a lot of praise the Lord. There's a lot of OMG. Huh? Very common in the speech, vocabulary, and, you know, public. And uh, you have to be creative. Now, for example, one of my greatest examples is mealtime gusho. Sometimes you're in the public in a restaurant and you see somebody who's very devout, religious, and they're, and they're, and they're pausing before they dig into their food that's in front of them. And so you know that they're saying a prayer or a blessing or something. Okay. Now, some people, you don't have to be uh, shy uh, about your religious beliefs, but some people, they don't want to be pious and, you know, not exactly show off, but, you know, draw attention to themselves. So maybe a Buddhist, he was saying, he he doesn't, he feels like he wants to do God's show and then, you know, then eat. Uh, but that would, people might look at him and say, well, you know. So instead of putting his hands together and gashaw in front of him, he puts his, the food gets served and he puts his hands together and he rubs his hands together like that. And he says, sure, it looks good. But inside his, his, his internal, he's doing gashaw. Huh? And he's being thankful for the food. And for all the causes and conditions, even even lives being taken so that he could live, and so forth, you know. Um, so we have to be creative, and uh, this is what is our challenge. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I apologize for those that. I can't even get the blog talk screen, studio screen on my computer, but hopefully uh, people could hear me. I don't know. I can't tell. Um, uh, and, of course, I had a <laughs> this – this tells you how life is. I set a timer for the show, you know, a few minutes before the show. Timer goes off. I say, oh, well, I got 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. And I came back to my computer, and, I, and I'm and i working on something. Then all of a sudden, Adrian comes and says, hey, you're, sh- <laughs> you're supposed to be on. I said, whoa. So I grabbed my phone, and, of course, when you're in a hurry like this, and you get kind of excited, I, I couldn't get in the <laughs> – I had to, re, you know, reenter the number several times because I was messing it up, and then – this didn't work, and that didn't work, and yeah, the Dharma has technical difficulties too, and that's part of life. Huh? Um, and you know what? That's okay. That's okay with a big O, spelled with a big O. Not okay, you know, relative okay, or the little O, okay, because that means okay versus not okay. Spiritual okayness, the big O, is uh, in Japanese they call it uh, daijobu, you know, and that's a very common uh, Japanese phrase, everyday phrase, daijobu. It, it, it means, are you all right? 
is everything okay? And, uh, for example, it would be used where somebody slips and, and in Japanese, the friend says, oh, daijobu. Well, are you okay? And then some, you know, in reply, the person might say, daijobu, daijobu. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm okay. Huh? And I was interested to find out that that word, Japanese word, daijobu, uh, there's a Buddhist minister in BCA, Buddhist Churches of America, that made a, a kind of a glossary of Japanese Buddhist words. And one of them was daijobu. And if you look at how that's written and what the components mean, daijobu means great health. Dai means great. Jobu means, you know, you're okay. So it means, and it refer. It was a, a term that would refer to the Buddha, Gautama Buddha, that he was a person of great spiritual health. Dai Jobu, he's Dai Jobu. Okay, he has great health, spiritual health. And um, so I really like that Dai Jobu, which could be translated as okay. I'm okay. We want that kind of okayness. Uh-huh. Hey, you got a bonus, man. I was ready to sign off, but I said, hey, okay. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a Daijobu day. Thank you. Thank you.